cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on October the 5th, 2009. I always suggest to newcomers to the show to look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and you'll find hundreds of hours of talks I've given in the past. You can download them for free and listen to them to your, at your heart's content. Uh, there's a lot of information because really what we're doing here in a sense is chronicling history as we make it. We don't make it, we're really the bystanders, because the, the true world, the way it's really run, is run by people outside any democratic institution. Uh, but at least, if nothing else, we can see what they're doing and add our two cents worth along with the stories that are released to us by the mainstream media. The mainstream media is part of government. It always has been, because it gives us really a reality. And on the, the site, too, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, you'll see all the other sites I have there, which you can bookmark for future use. Sometimes the big sites go down. Sometimes if you, if you find you're getting stickiness when you're downloading, uh, try the other sites, because everyone goes into the com at the same time, and that's generally what the problem is. So the other ones can help you get through quicker, generally. And there's a bunch to choose from. There's Alan Watt, uh, uh, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.ca, CuttingThrough.Jenkins.com, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.net.us.ca and finally you got Alan Watt Sentinel.eu which is the European site has all the same audios as the rest but it has addition of transcripts for print up which you can download and they're written in the various languages of Europe and I always remind the listeners here that uh, this is probably the only show out there where the listener brings me to you because I'm not backed by anybody I'm not backed by any NGO foundation or any uh, organized company that's selling anything. The ads you hear on this show go straight, they're paid straight to the, the station, RBN, for their time, their time, equipment, their staff, their bills, and all the rest of it. So it's up to you, the listeners, to keep me going. And you can do it uh, by uh, getting in touch with me. As I say, cutting through uh, com. you'll see PayPal buttons there, you'll see how to order the books I have for sale on my website. And remember, personal checks are good for U.S. and Canada. International money postal orders or postal order money orders are good from the U.S. to Canada. And outside the Americas, you can also use the same thing, PayPal. You can use that for buying and donating. You can also use MoneyGram and Western Union. Some people just send cash. Other people just get a disc passed to them at meetings and they get, want to get in touch with me, you can write to me at Alan Watt, W-A-T-T, site 41, box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. And the postal code is P as in Peter, the number 3, E as in Elizabeth, the number 4, N as in Nora, and the number 1, P-3-E-4-N-1. As I say, we're basically bystanders, bystanders in our own, our own destiny in a sense. The destiny is kind of pre-written if we allow the guys at the top to get away with it. But unfortunately, 
You see, there's a system which they count on, and it's the general population. The bulk of every generation goes along with everything. I rewatched one of the the documentaries that were out to do with the, the experiments the experiment they had uh, in Stanford on mind control with controlled prisoners. The people volunteered to act as prisoners. Others acted as guards. And within before the day was out, they actually got into their roles, and you saw how the, 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 the guards would start abusing the prisoners. The prisoners literally would start reacting like prisoners. And before two or three days were out, it was just like a true prison situation. It was based on the fact that most people will accept the roles that's given to them. I'll be back with more after this break. how it was before that to how things have changed since then. 
and you must always listen to the reasons that are given, which none of them really are credible at all. But it's good enough for the broad majority of the public. They can't imagine anyone conning them on such a scale. The big lie, you see. They can understand the small politician or any politician helping himself to the honeypots and lining his pockets, the small lie, but they can't understand the big lie. No one would do that. No one would possibly try and get away with that. And that's why it works. It's so simplistic in its methodology. But, you know, Karl Marx, as I say, talked about um, the three main trading blocks of the world that would come together eventually under a super world government. They'd all have a form of a parliament, like a, like a supreme parliament for each block, and each supreme parliament would be under a United Nations type of parliament. And we've lived through so much of this, even when they lied their faces off during the 60s, 70s, and 80s, that uh, they were not doing that in Europe. There was nothing to do with it, it was just to do with trading. Trading was all it was about. And the prime ministers of all countries got together every year to cement closer ties. That's, they, that's all that the public were given, closer ties. That's as much as the media deigned to give us, you see. Because the whole intent was to amalgamate all of your laws and through treaties and so on until they're utterly binding and then bring in their super parliament. And that's what they've done. You see, the EU is a forerunner for, for the Americas, the American Union, same thing. In fact, it was, Marx had said, the second one would be a United Americas. And it's in the process now, even though they, they poo-poo it and, and try to, 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 to discredit it, their own writings have it published in so many different areas from their meetings at the Summit of the Americas and all the, the various other institutions by which, through which they work. Now, the, the new EU is a, a form of it's a super-Soviet it, it truly is a super-Soviet. That's how the Soviet was made up of different countries under a supreme command. That literally, if you were a small country and you belonged to it, you tried to pull away from it, pull out of it, in came the tanks. That's what it's all about. It's going to be no different, seriously, none at all. And big money boys and big organizations and foundations have worked tirelessly for well over a hundred years to make this happen. And nothing's going to stop them. Nothing will stop them. No pleading is going to stop them. No petition is going to stop them. No, no vote is going to stop them. They just come back and back and back. And those in Europe know what I'm talking about because each time a country voted no to even join the darn thing, they come back again after six months of incredible propaganda, mainly from your own government and your tax money, and big corporations telling you, you'll be left behind if you don't join. You'll be left behind. That's all they would say. Like you would just drop off at your starvation or something. And Ireland, as we know, held out against this treaty that literally is the death knell for all those countries involved. If it was signed and ratified, they were the only holdouts to it that the... And now, of course, they got the same darn thing, put at them again, and they would keep getting it until they got it right. That's how they, it is today. They keep giving you the vote until you get it right. In fact, they even said that, and I read the articles after the last time they said no. And people across the world really don't know what, what it's about. They really have no idea 
again, like the general masses, they, they get the bits from the media, but not much at all. And they don't think deeply on anything, because once again, we're t- we tend to get brought up thinking nothing much concerns us. On the one hand, the big problems in life are too big for us to imagine and, and to even think about, comprehend. Uh, and on the other hand, side, we're, we're taught, we're, we're filled with trivia and other distractions and little mini-crises in our own lives. We're kept in a state of fear, basically. Even in your, your own personal life, I'm going to lose this job, I'm going to lose this, I'm going to lose that. But, because fear, even though no studies to do with, with people um, complying, obedience, fear was essential, an uh, uh, essential um, ingredient to the training of people to obedience, fear. So constant state of fear is being used through farcical pandemics, which I don't think exist, to be honest with you. And, um, and mind you, the World Health Organization keeps throwing out massive statistics, but they never tell you where folk die or what hospitals are in or just statistics. No, I don't know anyone who knows anybody who's caught this swine flu, but that what doesn't stop it. They call it the noble lie. It's for a noble cause that we're lying to you. And that literally is what they call it to the top. A noble lie. Now, this article here is from the Mail Online to do with this supposed yes vote from Ireland. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens all the time about uh, regular uh, voting and fraud and all the rest of it. But it doesn't matter because they just hammer them again if they, said, if they did somehow say no. Uh, until again they got it right, right? And this article here, uh, this, this, this uh, writer says, um, partway down, it says, the new European state finally exists and has given itself life. Life of a rather Frankenstein sort, but life all the same. It no longer needs to ask the permission of its member states to act. Ireland, for instance, will no longer be able even to hold a referendum on increased EU central powers. Do you understand what, what, what this means here? You can't compl- There's no complaints department here. They can do whatever they wish from Brussels. Doesn't matter what they say. It's going to say it has what is called a legal personality. How everything in this uh, con system, from money and legalities, commerce, taxation, you have a legal personality. That's why it's all block letters when you get something from government. That's so they can take you to courts. That's what they use. But they do it with corporations, to everything's corporations, including the police, including your local parliament. It has what is called a legal personality and will not need to make future changes by treaty, but by acting as the super state it now is. It says, increasingly the provinces of Europe, which until today were countries, now that is very important, increasingly the provinces of Europe, which until today where countries will need its permission to exist at all. People have no idea what this means. Does that passport you hold is not British, but European? You're a European citizen. British embassies abroad are now European embassies, as they already show by flying the EU's meaningless and tasteless blue and yellow dishcloth, their flag. It says, shouldn't someone have pointed out that in the recent history of the continent, Yellow stars call up, call up only one dismal image, the mass murder of European Jews, because you have to wear a, a yellow star, right? That's what they've got all over the flag in Europe. Tony Blair, the ex-Prime Minister of Britain, says he wrecked his own political party 
and irreparably damaged Britain in the pursuit of global ideals, is considered a fit person to be the the appointed president of the strange new superpower, precisely because he is unfit to lead his own country. Well, that's true. That's really true. And, and, And he was picked, mind you, very, very young for what he's gone through since then. And you have to go into the writings of his mentor to understand negative freedom and positive freedom. The big dean at Oxford, the big uh, professor at Oxford University, Isaac was Berlin, was his name, who told them how to manage and take people's rights away, but still made them think they're free. And you can get these books downloaded for free, actually, on that topic. Back with more after these messages. And this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just reading an article which most folk, uh, I'm sure even Americans, won't have that much on their minds uh, because they're, they're so involved with their own problems at home. Which is another take two of ramming all these things through when no one's looking. We're all, we're all looking elsewhere, looking at our own belly buttons because we don't know if you're going to get fed tomorrow with coming food shortages or you're going to get the plague or whatever the heck it's supposed to be today. There's always a, a new crisis every day. And this article continues about uh, the European Union. And it says here, it, said, uh, it says, for most of its members in Europe, accustomed to dictatorship, partition, subjugation, occupation, invasion, and domination by bigger neighbors, this sort of thing will be familiar. That's being under this super parliament. In many ways, it would be more preferable. In living memory, their frontier posts were demolished by sneering soldiers and their capitals forced to watch parades of other people's tanks. Now the same frontier barriers are dismantled by unequal treaties and their currencies replaced by the euro. Nobody dies, Elsie, yet, though much is lost. They have other ways of killing you, you see, apart from the usual war. As is for Britain, Europe's oldest continuously independent sovereign state, it is entirely different. It is the end of 1,000 years of history, as predicted by the Labour leader Hugh Gateskill, as long ago as 1962. What about Ireland, which still lovingly and proudly preserves the bullet marks and Dublin buildings from the Easter rising against British rule in 1916? How strange that the last gasp of national sovereignty should happen in this odd, quiet way on a wet and windy morning here of all places. With a national sigh of resignation, the Irish people have said not so much yes as oh, very well then, if you absolutely insist to the absorption into the strangest empire the world has ever seen. It's a realm without a throne, ruled by a stifling regulation and dull secret committees. This is a fact, folks. (laughs) What I'm reading here, it's not some novel. It's ruled by stifling regulation, over-regulation, and dull secret committees rather than by a crowned despot. It is supposedly a club of happy equals, but actually dominated by a single great power, Germany, whose importance nobody dares to mention, precisely because it's so important. It's It's fitting in a way that it should be Ireland, which long defined itself as a nation of rebels against its mighty neighbor that should have held out to the end. 
This was never because Ireland's current generation of leaders wanted a fight. On the contrary, the Irish political class sprawls luxuriously on great cushions of euro money. They're all paid off, boys. <laughs> of euro money and have long enjoyed their status as the favoured pet of Brussels. Lots of cash flows to the right hands. Yeah, the oldest story in the book, eh? just pay them off and give them the good life at the top, and they'll sign anything. It says it's only because of the Republic's cunningly drafted and thrillingly fair constitution that the people of Ireland have been allowed to vote on the matter at all. And of course, what was the fear? Ante? Oh, you'll lose all your jobs if you don't vote. You'll lose all your jobs. Uh, incessant. Incessant. Uh, this is all what's supposed to come here, too, as they amalgamate and go on amalgamate in America. It's under the guise here, of course, of security. Uh, we just can't have individual governments running uh, their, their secret services and stuff, watching terrorists. We've got to have a, we've got to have a parliament over it, or the whole thing. And we've got to compete with Europe now that's a superpower. And we've got to compete with China as well. You get, see how it's all set up? See, it's all set up. And it's just too messy and time-consuming uh, going between different governments for trade and so on. So we'll all be one big country with one uh, State Department for trade, and, and that'll be it. That's how it's been done. And, of course, we'll all be very safe from terrorism, terrorism. And as they were doing this, it's so interesting, too, because I say the, the plans were already made. In fact, the last time they voted no, the European uh, Union uh, at the top said that they're going to carry on as though they had uh, said yes. They don't stop and say, oh, well, let's go home. They, they, nothing's going to stop them. This is a new world order. This is part of it. And it says that this is here is from the Telegraph, the EU embryonic home office set up in secret talks under the Lisbon Treaty, plans for an embryonic EU Home Office to organize intelligence sharing and lead the fight against terrorism and crime were agreed in secret talks last week. This is before the vote. So what does it matter? Voting really doesn't matter, does it? It says the Sunday Telegraph has learned. Acting under a little notice section of the Lisbon Treaty, officials set up a standing committee on internal security to implement what is effectively Economic Union's first ever internal security policy. So they're amalgamating all, and that means that the military too and all police are amalgamated. All laws come from the top, from the secret committee at the top of the, this parliament. So, you know, here we go. It's, it's the new Soviet, what can you say? And of course, remember what they said at the Club of Rome, and Professor Carl Quigley's tragedy in hope at the Royal Institute of International Affairs, CFR, they preferred collectivism, meaning the Soviet system of rulership. Well, here it is, folks, and it's, it's rampaging across the world fast to the rest of us, in case you haven't noticed. Not only that, it's interesting, Tony Blair, as I say, that was obviously had a mentor from for years. <laughs> it's amazing. There's an article here from uh, it's from oh where is it from here the London Evening Standard and I'll read you this when I get back from this break quite amazing how how it pays to be a little sneak back with more after this you're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth 
Alan Watt were cutting through the matrix and talking about how crime pays for those at the top. And uh, really, uh, if you look at the deceptiveness, deceptive nature, the, the deceit, the lies, and so on that they push, whether in office, as you say, when they're elected in office, uh, there should be some sort of comeback, surely, uh, for everything that they lie to the public about. Shouldn't there be? You think there would be in a true democracy, but there's nothing like that at all because we've never had a true democracy. We've had an agenda using democracy, but. I've mentioned before how people get paid off for everything they did uh, when they come out of office, when they step down, as they call it, through either books that are ghostwritten for them and uh, sometimes they even get masses of millions of dollars uh, and even tell them how much they're going to make before the book's even written. Uh, that kind of, these are payoffs. And they also get directorship uh, seats on lots of, of big CEO boards and so on, corporations. That's how it works. That's how you, it's all legal, you see. If they're just giving straight cash, the, the questions could be asked, but if you do it that kind of way, it's, well, it's all good, it's legal, isn't it? And, and they're left alone. And it's interesting, too, that Tony Blair and all the Fabian socialists belongs to the same organizations that I've mentioned. They're all Institute of International Affairs, because they're all branches, specialized branches of this big monster, this octopus. Uh, that goes under the CFR, Royal Institute for International Affairs. They're all specialized branches. And the Fabian technique was estimated to be far more effective uh, to bring the whole agenda in uh, without the public even being aware of what was truly happening because it would be intergenerational changes. We, had, we adapt slowly, you see, uh, although now we're, we're adapting very quickly as we rush towards the finishing line. But he, he, here's the sort of thing it says about Tony Blair in the Telegraph. Tony Blair criticized for asking to keep 24-hour armed guard. Now, he's out of politics, supposedly, right? And this is, on the, by the, this is the 5th of October. Tony Blair interviewed directly to keep a 24-hour armed guard outside his London home after police attempted to cut their presence to save money. The former prime minister, who's estimated to have made, listen to this, 12 million pounds... Now, but that's way under the, the whole amount. That's just probably not in the Swiss banks. I'll be just in Britain. £12 million since leaving Downing Street as a Prime Minister asked the Home Office, that's like, this, that's like FEMA, to keep the Scotland Yard, Yard officers guarding the Connaught Square house, one of, one of his houses. Right? Today his move was criticised by a member of the Metropolitan Police Authority. Scotland Yard has been under increasing pressure to cut the cost of protecting VIPs with its budget for 24-hour armed protection increasingly stretched. So here's where the, you know, the working man's man, Tony Blair, you know, even as the working man's man, you know, for Labour Party, you know, the supposed left Labour Party, the £4.36 million, pound, it is £4.36 million pound home <laughs> in Connaught Square, Bayswater, has a 24-hour armed guard provided by the Metropolitan's CO6 Diplomatic Protection Unit was paid by the taxes, the taxpayers of London, right? And it says four officers are regularly on duty at the house, to the front, to the rear. The cost of posting the highly trained officers picked up by the Met with a contribution towards the expense from the government, which is the federal tax money. I love how they always say the government or the Met or, or whatever. It's like free flu shots. The, the, the government is not paying. The taxpayer is paying for it all. It's not free at all. They always use this con, don't they? Plans to scale back the presence were drawn up by Scotland Yard as part of an attempt to cut costs, but 
because neither Mr. Blair or his wife Cherry are always at home in their £4.36 million home in Connaught Square, Bayswater. Well, why should that change? You know, the guy's now up there. He should be carried around in one of his bears, you know, with the, with the guys who are semi-naked, just like they did in the slave days. And he could be all dressed up in the top like a cake. Because that's what it's all about. <laughs> but yeah, amazing with the money they get given to them afterwards. We never know why, you know, it's not our business to know why. I guess they're just bright, intelligent people. Is that how it works? And getting back to how we adapt, how we adapt and adapt and adapt, until literally people are adapting since 2001 to every farcical thing that comes down the pike uh, that they shout crisis with. We just go into it and Oh, okay, okay. And then before you know it, you've adapted because you're now going to the next, the next crisis. Going back to this an article, it was 1999. And I've mentioned this before. You see, this whole world of, of watching everybody and monitoring everyone's emails forever and phone calls was on the go before 9-11-2001 came along. That's why they gave us the internet, because now they can look at all your, your mailings and so on and, and get a complete picture of who you are and watch for any deviation from your normal routine. That literally is all it's about. We're the enemy, you see. And this, goes, this is an article here. It's from Technology News by TechWeb. September the 3rd, 1999. The National Security Agency builds security access into Windows. I've read this before. But it's worth reading again. Just to show you, you know. How people think, still think they're secure. By Duncan Campbell. A careless mistake by Microsoft. Careless mistake by Microsoft programmers has shown that special access codes for use by the U.S. National Security Agency have been secretly built into all versions of the Windows operating system. What it doesn't mention here, it was decided by law that that would be back in 1995, and the U.S. and Canada and other countries ratified it. Such a computer security specialist have been aware for two years that unusual features are contained inside a standard Windows driver used for security and encryption functions. The driver is called ADVAPI.dll, enables and controls a range of security functions, including the Microsoft Cryptographic API. That's the MS CAMP in particular. It authenticates modules signed by Microsoft letting them run without user intervention. At last year's Crypto 98 conference, British cryptology specialist Nico Van Sommeren said he'd disassembled the driver and found it contained two different keys. One was used by Microsoft to control the cryptographic functions enabled in Windows in compliance with U.S. export regulations. But the reason for building a second key or who owned it remained a mystery. Now, a North Carolina security company has come up with conclusive evidence the second key belongs to the National Security Agency. Like Van Summeren, Andrew Fernandez, chief scientist with cryptonym of Morrisville, North Carolina, had been probing the presence and significance of the two keys. Then he checked the latest service pack release for Windows NT4, service pack 5, and have continued up till now, well, all these versions. He found Microsoft's developers had failed to remove or strip the debugging symbols used to test 
the software before they released it. Inside the code were the labels for the two keys. One was called key, the other one was called NSA key. Fernandez reported his rediscovery of the two CAPI keys and their secret meaning to the advance in, the advances in cryptology Crypto 99 conference held in Santa Barbara. According to those present at the conference windows, developers attending the conference did not deny the NSA key was built into their software, but they refused to talk about what they did or why it had been put there without the user's knowledge. For all you who think you're free out there. <laughs> There's nothing free. Nothing's free. There's only one agenda. And you see, in a totalitarian system, an elite cannot rest on their laurels and safety without fear unless they know that everyone, everyone is predictable. They know everything about you daily. It's updated daily. You must be predictable. That's what it's about. And that's one of the reasons they gave you, one of the main reasons they gave you the Internet, to get a complete dossier on you, every one of you. It also gives them a, a, an instant ability to survey what's, how the public will lean towards this or that. Are they swallowing the swine flu stuff? Where's the weak points they're not swallowing with the swine flu? Uh, how do we beef up the weak points? So this is how they do all this stuff. The RAND Corporation has been in this forever. Another non-governmental organization that advises governments. And then, of course, the, the, the Satan, this is so confusing again, it's deliberately confusing. I've mentioned this last week, how they call everything H1N1. And how the regular flu shot is under the category of the H1N1 category. But they don't distinguish it between that and the swine flu, which is an H1N1-9 for 2009. Different vaccine, you need to see. So they interchange the two terms because they want everyone to rush off for the common flu shot thinking they're getting a swine one, only to find out they're going to get a swine one later. It's all deliberate. They don't make mistakes like this in the media. And here's how they word it. CNNHealth.com. Today's, it says, uh, um, a, a national campaign to inoculate tens of millions of Americans against H1N1 influenza. Is that a common one or what? Began Monday with healthcare workers in Indiana and Tennessee targeted as the first recipients Federal health authorities said. Don't you need the names now? I think the world has reached history, or has watched history unfold. Dr. Judy Monroe, India's state health commissioner, told reporters at Weishart Hospital at Indianapolis, while history is still to come. Earlier Monday, the hospital received a shipment of 52 boxes, each containing 100 pre-filled sprayers. So they're giving the idea it's all going to be sprays initially. So, oh, well, maybe I'll get the spray, I'll be okay. Why are you giving you the, every article you've read at the, at the top of the, the, the page, you always see a photograph of someone getting a needle stuck in them. Then they come out with this, where some, somebody that's probably used to snorting coke is snorting it up your nose, the specialist with his gloves on here. So it says the first 5,200 doses that came to Marion County is really just the tip of the iceberg. Let's hope it all melts. Marone Health Director Virginia Kane said the shipment will be split among the country's hospitals. A similar scene unfolded at Le Bonheur Children's Medical Center in Memphis, Tennessee, where three children have died from H1N1, sometimes referred to as swine flu, while so is the other one referred to as H1N1. So let's see where the confusion is. General uh, Utkoff, a spokesman for Le Bonheur, said the hospital received about 100 doses by noon. The supply had been depleted. 
And then it says here, the vaccines were shipped to both sides and to a few other places around the nation. They're the first of some 195 million doses the U.S. government had purchased from flu vaccine manufacturers. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Dr. Jay Butler, told reporters at the Indianapolis event that number includes both spray and injectable forms. Butler, who heads the agency's 2009 H1N1 vaccine task force, has promised there will be enough for anyone who wants it. I like the word wants. Let's hope it stays that way. Butler said vaccine makers will ship 10 million to 20 million doses per week over the next couple of months. And then they go on about, uh, is that fast enough? No, but it's feasible, blah, blah, blah. He predicted that the ample supply of, so the ample supply of the injectable form will be available by mid-October. You see, now, after saying that, uh, it's also in, in an article here, and it's from Washington, uh, from comonews.com. Uh, in Washington, it says, Washington okays mercury in swine flu vaccine. All the hype about mercury. And they said, oh, wouldn't have it. That was September the 24th. This goes back to by Herb Weisbaum. It says, Olympia, Washington, the state health department will allow more mercury than usual in some of the swine flu vaccines to make sure shots are available to pregnant women and children under age three. Yes, that's what they need, that they have a mercury deficiency at that age, you see. Yep. It's amazing. You should tell you in school, if you broke mercury in a, in a science lab or whatever, a thermometer, to get you very careful cleaning it up, those mercury light bulbs that are supposed to be super savers for energy, it, the warning comes with it not to breathe in this stuff. It's, it's pretty dangerous. You're supposed to get the stuff taken away by a decontamination expert, but it's okay to stick it in your body. Uh, okay. The department says mercury-free swine flu vaccine may not always be in stock, so it wants to give people the choice. They want to, oh, it's giving me a choice, eh? Of using vaccine with the mercury preservative called thimerosal, which is believed to be safe. Believed to be safe. And then they have one article from the Center of Diseases Control about mercury saying it's pretty well safe, uh, but they don't tell you about the other articles on the same website telling you that it's not safe. <laughs> Selective, isn't it? When they want you to go along with it. What a world we live into, eh? What a, what a world we're, we're really born into, we're dumped into here, and it's been deceptive from the start, but by God's, it's going to be very difficult, very difficult for a lot of people. It already is. A lot of people can't tell what reality is anymore. In fact, just like those experiments did with the controlled experiments in the Ivy League universities do with obedience, where they found that the majority of the public will go along with anything, even electrocuting each other, even though it's a phony study. They didn't know they weren't really electrocuting people. But they said this is the majority of people. This is how they are. Then later as tests to do with the fake prison in Stanford, uh, said again, these are ordinary people. These are the majority of people being turned into sadists, given prisoners. Especially if someone else is advising them to go ahead, someone in a position of authority. And New York's really beefing up the security. And, and, and don't forget, it's not security. There's also money changing hands. Whenever you get big bucks dished out in the real world, the real world, which is utterly corrupt at the top, but they don't call it corrupt, they say it's normal business. Big bucks going to pockets. That's the real world. New York Times 
October the 4th, surveillance will expand to Midtown, Mayor says. A network of private and public surveillance cameras, license plate readers and weapons sensors already established in Lower Manhattan as an electronic bulwark against terrorist attacks will soon expand to a large patch of Midtown Manhattan, Mayor Michael R. Bloomberg and Police Commissioner Raymond W. Kelly said Sunday as he announced the allocation of $24 million in Homeland Security grants towards the effort. Someone wants this bad, don't they want it bad? Mr. Bloomberg said the expanding monitoring network would cover the areas between 30th and 60th streets for the Houston, for the Hudson to the East River, it says. We cannot afford to be complacent, but can the taxpayer? Can the taxpayer, I add? But he said we can't be complacent, he said, noting that Midtown includes landmarks like Grand Central Terminal, the Empire State Building, and the United Nations. Like the systems downtown, the expanding surveillance network would feed streams of data for analysis to a coordination center at 55 Broadway. Mr. Bloomberg, who made the announcement at the center, that Mr. Kelly said work on the Midtown system would begin next year and be completed in 2011. Behind the mayor, a 40-foot video wall displayed maps, incoming data from a police precinct, and more than a dozen video streams, mainly many of them showing tourists taking photographs on a sunny day. Ah, sounds dangerous to me. Suspicious, isn't it? Definitely suspicious. Here has been pouring all down summer, now into the fall. Back with more after these messages. I'm Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. I love the articles, too, they put in the newspaper to make us think that uh, some countries are more advanced than others. And here's the latest gimmickry in weather control. And this article came from Reuters, and it was October the 1st, 2009. China weather magic conjures blue sky for parade, you see. They, they put these out all the time in China, these articles. It says Beijing, China's Air Force deployed a magic-like range of chemicals and technology to clear Beijing's smoggy air for a grand parade marking the 60th anniversary of communist China. By the way, the Empire State Building was all in red for that to celebrate it too in, in New York there. The people didn't know. And it says, um, chemists and officials worked for weeks on the country's most ambitious ever attempt at weather modification with Air Force technicians fanning out across the region to help operate complex equipment, the official Xinhoi agency said. The evening before the parade, chemicals were fired into the hazy skies and a, a light rain washed the city clean. Surrounding provinces had already been loaded with, or loaded with clouds with silver iodide, that old-fashioned stuff, and dry ice, my God, that's antique, to try and force rain to fall before it reached Beijing. The report added, only a handful of countries in the world could organize such scale, large-scale events. Magic like weather modification, said the Su Lingguang, a senior Air Force meteorologist, who said the parade operation was the largest in China's history. Well, why don't we all... All the countries of Europe and, and this Canada and the States invite Kui Ling Kuing, a senior Air Force meteorologist, over to Canada and the U.S. to see how it's done properly, or over to Europe, where the Air Forces here do it almost every day and have been doing it since 1998, and put in the papers a couple of years ago from the U.S. that the U.S. 
Air Force would shortly own the weather. Well, I'm reporting back that they do. They do. So come over and get rid of those little firewood squibs that you send the stuff up in and see how it's done properly with proper polymers and large-scale stuff like this. It's an open invitation to them. Hands across the sea. We should share this technology, obviously. Why keep it to ourselves? Since most of the rest of the world is already getting it, too. Now, we'll go to the callers, and there's, there's uh, Brandon in Florida. Are you there, Brandon? Hello? Yes. Hi, Alan. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I wanted to let you know, like, I got off uh, the antidepressants, and I'm doing pretty well right now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, everything seems to be working out. Um, I guess I, I think uh, they, they build it up more in your head to make you think you can't can't uh, succeed in getting off of them, but the uh, reality is you can. Yeah. So. Have you had any physical effects at all? Um, just uh, kind of like feeling a little bit, uh, a little lazy, I guess. Yeah. You don't get a little panic. A lot of people find panic attacks when they get off these heavy antidepressants because they really do interfere uh, with the different chemicals in, in, in the brain. And it takes a while for your, your brain to start producing its own various chemicals to take over again. And sometimes they get occasional panic attacks. But if you do, uh, apparently it's normal. Yeah, yeah um, I haven't noticed anything like that uh, so far. I think I'm, I'm doing pretty well. But I was just reading through this book called uh, The People's History of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. I, I may have. I may have. I even may have it, in fact, yeah. Well... Yeah, it's pretty, it goes over all the atrocities, you know, at the hands of uh, starting with Christopher Columbus. And yeah, that's right. It's amazing, that's right. It's amazing how uh, these Indians, they were living so well, mm-hmm. and it's like good versus evil. All of a sudden, these Spaniards come on shore and start terrorizing them. Commerce came in. That's a whole key, a system of commerce and law. Uh, with a pecking order came in, and you're right, that, that starts the whole thing. They'd already conquered Europe long ago. And now it's time to do it to the Americas. But thanks for calling us in music now. So from Hamish and myself, from a very, very wet and well-sprayed Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>